Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today, we are on episode number 58 of the Unexplained and Supernatural series. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to send it in at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true and unexplainable horror stories. In late April 2019, I went on this tour to Ireland, EF Tours, Ultimate Ireland. I highly recommend it. And one of the things we did was this ghost tour in Killarney. I was very excited as I love ghost tours and I was ready for something strange to happen to me. One of the guys on the trip, whom I shall call Ty, was actually a practicing witch who grew up in Salem. We met on the tour and remain friends to this day. And I remember him telling me it would be at the Abbey we were going to. The bus pulls up to our hotel and it's decked out in creepy decor as a traditional storyteller does his best to creep us out. Then we pull up to this empty lot at the top of a hill where another guy says that he'll be taking us down into the valley as the storyteller won't go down there. I talk with him as we go, chatting about my ghostly experiences and what he thought of all of this. He explains that in all the time he's worked here, he's never seen, felt, or heard a single goddamn thing. However, he also explained that the day he got the job, his friend in the village who was a white witch gave him a blessing. They also gave him a walking stick that was blessed, and he never went without it. We went to the bottom of the hill in front of this ancient, crumbling abbey that's about 500 years old. The guide tells the story of how a bunch of monks were massacred by the English, and two of them were tortured because they held secrets of the abbey's treasures, which has yet to be found. We step inside. And immediately, I can feel all the energy of the spirits around me. I can almost see them passing around us, leaving us be. Then we move to the inner courtyard where there's this massive yew tree, as old as the abbey around it. The guide explains that the tree is cursed, so that if you touch it, you will die within a year. He even refused to go near it. However, both me and Ty agree that the tree felt so sad, and we both had a very strong urge to go comfort it. It was also at this time, I felt very remorseful, and I had the image of the two monks, who were not shown any pictures, in my head. For some reason, I was just thinking, I'm sorry I couldn't protect you. After this, we went into a side room, and as we did this, I knew there was something just chilling in the far corner. There was something evil staring at us from outside. The guide explained that the dark corner was a hot spot for orbs but I wasn't really listening because I was so focused on staring down the thing in the courtyard. I see its outline in my head, and it was staring me down too. I felt like I had to let it know that I was watching it, and that it couldn't come inside or hurt one of us. We were all safe here. The next stop was the most active part of the abbey, which had been hyped up all night. The plan was for all of us, about 30 of us, to stand with our backs to the walls and have the lights turned off for 60 seconds. They'd been jump-scaring us all night. The storyteller did show up in a cloak after he ran down a dark hallway, and in response to this, 
I shoved my friends out of the way and stood in his path. But they wanted us truly to experience the weirdness of this room. The moment I stepped foot inside the room, I felt like there was a weight on my shoulders. I got a lot colder, and I was much, much sadder. It got to the point to where the guide for the main trip actually asked if I was okay, but I assured him I was because I didn't want to miss out on this. So we line up against the wall, and it ended up with a girl on my right and nothing on my left, with a window above me. Now it's pitch black outside, and there are industrial lights in the room. Once everyone is ready, they cut down and turn the lights off. The second the lights turn off, I start sobbing. I felt like I was mourning for every person I had ever lost, and that everything was just grief. But you know, how when you cry, you can't think straight because your emotions take over. Mentally, I was fine. I knew that whatever was making me cry was not me. So I kept quiet so as not to disturb anyone else and stayed put. I also noticed a young spirit sitting on my left shoulder and several shadow figures passed in front of me. For the last 20 seconds or so, one of them stared me down. I don't know why, but he did not like me being there. Yes, for some reason I know it was a he. And no, I couldn't tell you how. Finally... The lights come back on and I stop crying and I am totally fine once again. Everything vanishes as everyone starts filing out. Ty approaches me and tells me he noticed all of the spirits around me and he specifically talks about the young spirit on my shoulder before I tell him. We talk about that and we come to the conclusion that one of the spirits used my body as a vessel to cry. The next and final stop on the tour is the outdoor courtyard and graveyard where there was something purely evil. I could feel the anger and the desire to hurt when we stepped outside. I pointed it out to Ty, saying that there was something watching us from that dark spot above the doorway. This man literally said, I know, it's best to ignore it. The storyteller at this point was goofing around, scaring one of the kids because he was easy, but I kept getting really frustrated to the point where I wanted to punch him, and if you know me, you know that's not like me at all. I just wanted to get out of there. Finally, we take the path of the spirits out of the graveyard and head back to the bus. Ty and I talk to the guide and storyteller who are interested in what happened to us and explain that lots of psychics and witches from all over have come and experienced things like this. We thank them as we got back onto the bus. I text my friends and tell them everything that happened in case I forgot something. Then we all go into town and get drunk because we're in Ireland. Duh. This event occurred a few years ago when I went to a small movie theater with my girlfriend, who I'll call Lily. It was later in the night, and the movie we were watching had already been out for a while, so there weren't that many people there. I don't even remember which movie we watched that night, due to everything that took place. After we bought our popcorn and soda from the snack bar, we headed to take our seats. There was an elderly couple sitting mid-distance to the screen and a hooded man who sat on the very front row. So, we chose to sit towards the back of the room. Anyway, we were watching the previews and joking with each other quietly when something slammed against the door. Startled, we looked at the front to see the hooded man had taken his drink and chucked it as hard as he could against the ground. It made it splash onto the bottom of the movie screen. It was so random and we wondered why he had done that, but he then sat perfectly still, as if nothing had ever happened. The elderly couple stood up 
and moved a few rows back to get further away from the man. Nothing else strange happened until 10 minutes into the movie, when the man started mumbling to himself, loud enough that we could hear it in the back. It was quite distracting, and the old man stood up and walked over to tell him to be quiet. We tried to pay attention to the movie, but were interested in seeing how everything would play out. As soon as the elderly man walked up to the hooded figure, we could hear the man growling as if he was some kind of animal. The old man kept trying to tell the man to shut up, but that only made this guy's growling get worse. So the old man walks back to his seat and was having none of it, so he and his wife left the movie theater. Now, after this happened, my girlfriend and I were wondering if there was something wrong with the guy. After the elderly couple had left, the hooded figure went back to mumbling, which was terribly annoying, when we were trying to just watch a movie. A few minutes later, Lily told me that she had to use the restroom and would be right back. Scared to be in the movie theater alone with the man, I said, Hurry back, because I don't want to get murdered here. She left me with a smile as she walked out of the room. The figure turned his head and watched her leave. Interested in the movie again, I'm not paying attention to the man, but when I looked back to where he was, I noticed he had moved two rows closer to where I was. A little weirded out, but not too scared because I was a pretty built guy and I knew that I could take him if I really needed to. That's when I see the man reach out both of his hands into the air and start to wiggle his fingers. On closer inspection... I noticed that the man's fingers weren't right. They were shorter stubs, and when the screen brightened, I could see blood dripping from the exposed bones. Mentally freaking out now, I watched the man duck down out of sight. Randomly, I could hear laughing that seemed to drown out the movie. Not knowing exactly what to do, I just sat there, hoping that I would not have to deal with what that man was trying to do. I was really hoping he would not try to attack me. That's when I saw him sitting in the same row as me, at the very edge of it. He had his hands on his face, but I couldn't tell what he was doing with them. That's when my stomach convulsed and I threw up when I saw that he was eating his own fingers. He seemed to enjoy it, as if he had a smile on his face. The man's eyes stayed focused on me as he did it, quivering in fear, disgusted to my very core. I stood up, looked the man in the eyes as I slowly tried to back away from him. That's when the movie turned dark because they were in a night scene, and so I darted straight for the exit. Behind me, I could hear the man crawling over the rows of seats after me. As I was going to the exit, I saw the door open and Lily was coming back in. Run, get out now! I screamed as she looked at me, with questioning eyes. She tried to ask me what was wrong, and all I responded was, No time, just get out. So she ran into the hall, and the worker who checked our tickets asked us to quiet down and wondered what was wrong. I told him everything that happened, and his eyes grew wide as he called for his manager. Out in the hall, we could now hear the man's cursed pitch screaming coming from the theater. They called the police in which they quickly came. They detained the man who tried to sink both his teeth into them. The manager of the movie theater offered that they could restart the movie if we wanted to, or if we just wanted a refund, that would be fine. Now, Lily wanted to stay and watch the movie, but I was so stunned by everything that had just happened, all I wanted to do was go home. There was no way I was going back into that theater room. We took our refund and left as fast as we could. About two days later, we saw an article in the newspaper titled something like, Intoxicated Man Cannibalizes Homeless Man and Then Himself. What happened is that the man was high on some hardcore drugs, so he went and robbed a homeless man and then cannibalized him. Afterward, he took the homeless man's money and went to the movie theater. I was in complete shock after reading this, because if I hadn't ran, that man would have probably have tried to kill me. Those eyes I saw on him as he looked at me while devouring his own flesh still causes shivers of fear to run up and down my body. They weren't human, but beast, 
as if he was acting on primal instinct. I'm still haunted by what went down that night. I'm still haunted by what went down that night. But I'm just glad that I was able to escape. For all I know, he could have killed me just as easily as he killed that homeless man. Next time I see someone acting strangely like that, I'm not going to hesitate in leaving the area. For all I know, I could be their next meal. I have been a Marine for going on 14 years now. I grew up Baptist. I do not go to church often. My girlfriend is Catholic, and it has been a while for her too. I am open-minded to unexplained phenomena. However, I also believe in underlying causes for a lot of things that initially cannot be explained. The following account is a series of events that I have experienced in my house over the last few years. I cannot explain these events. At the time everything started, I had been living in my house for about one year. It was her, her two children, one boy, 11 at the time, one girl, who was two at the time, and my two boys, who was four and one. It was summer, and the oldest boys were having a sleepover with some friends. They were playing in their room as kids do. Something that I was unaware of is that one of the children who came over had brought his homemade Ouija board. Apparently, they had been playing with this thing for the better part of the night. I found it when they got too loud in the evening, and I went in to check on them. I have never used a board before. I have heard way too many occurrences associated with this device to even consider playing with one. Anyway, upon discovering the board, I quickly removed it from my kid's possession. I took it to the fire pit out back and lit it on fire. Well, I tried to anyway. This thing would not burn. I then proceeded to douse it with gasoline and relit the board. The edges charred a little bit, but to my astonishment, it still was not destroyed. It took more than a couple of weeks of it being exposed to the elements, rain, sun, etc., before the board finally crumbled away into ash. I found this odd, but shrugged it off. I later learned that once you are done with a session, you are supposed to say goodbye. This apparently never happened because of my hasty confiscation of the board. I also learned that to dispose of a board, you are supposed to bury it. I honestly believe this is what started the following occurrences. Over the next several weeks, after the board incident, odd things started happening around the house. It started with things disappearing and then reappearing in obvious places that had already been searched. For example, I would light a cigarette and put the pack on my nightstand. I would not move from the bed, and when I would go to get another one, it would be gone. I would of course look for it, but I would not be able to locate them. I would then find them either hours or days later in random places. Odd places like on the front of the door skillfully placed on where the edging would be. Things like this would happen every few days or so. It was not limited to smokes, but would include my toothbrush, body wash, anything small. There are only so many places these items could be, but I found the body wash sitting neatly in the center of my living room floor after returning from dinner with the entire family. I would generally brush this off as me being forgetful. I mean, honestly, I don't know how I would accidentally leave the bath wash in the middle of the living room floor when it belongs in the shower, but it happened. I would just brush these things off. Things continued to escalate, though. My girlfriend was in our room doing laundry one day while video chatting with her friend while I was at work. All the kids were in school or daycare currently. She heard a thud come from the walk-in closet. This is where all my clothes, shoes, and uniforms stay. Investigating the noise while still on her video call, 
She opens the closet door to find every single article of clothing had been lifted off the rack, still in the hangers, laying on the floor in a huge pile. The shoe cubby had been emptied as well, except it was only the right shoes that had been removed. The left had remained in their designated areas. She called me in a panic, so I came home to see for myself. Surely enough, it was exactly as she described it. Now, I would have thought it was her trying to play a prank on me. However, when I walked out of the room, every left cabinet door was wide open in our kitchen. I walked past the kitchen when I initially arrived home and it was not like this at all, I would have noticed. It was odd to say the least. I could see the kitchen from my room and I should have never heard or seen this happen. One evening, the oldest boy and I had been playing video games together. My TV and PlayStation sit above the fireplace on the mantel. When we were deciding to call it quits, I put the controller on the mantel as usual to charge it and was talking to him about something. I can't remember exactly what it was though. Without warning, the controller flung itself across the room towards us landing at our feet. If it were to just fall on its own, wouldn't it just fall straight to the floor? It shot at least 10 feet diagonally across the room towards us landing on the ground a couple of feet from where we were standing and then slid to us. The odd happenings continued to occur and by this time it was December. During my lunch break, I would come home and go for a run around my neighborhood to help keep up my cardio. On one day, I came home to a run. On my way to the house to change, I passed by my girlfriend. She was on her way to the store. She waved at me and I went home as usual to change. She had decorated the house with festive things such as trinkets and plants. She had placed two poinsettias on the counter in our kitchen as part of the decorations. Doing these things makes her happy and I let her do her thing. I went on my normal run, a couple of miles or so, and returned home in a relatively short amount of time. I got something to drink and proceeded to shower off fast so that I would have time to eat and go back to the office in time. It could not have taken me more than five minutes to scrub off and make my way back to the kitchen to grab some food. When I walked in, the two poinsettias were gone. Odd. I thought my girlfriend still had not returned, so I went back into my room to ask if she had come back and left while I was in the shower. She was still at the store. I went back out there and there were the two plants, sitting there in the middle of the floor. They were only a couple feet apart, but they were not where they originally were. Shocked, the only reaction I had to say was, these don't belong here. I picked them up and returned them to their rightful place on the counter. I called my girlfriend back just to make sure that she had not done this. I explained what happened and at this point she was scared. Instead of coming home, she went to the local Catholic church to talk to the priest. Like I said earlier, I'm not Catholic, but from what I know, there are definitely a lot of people in that religion that deal with this sort of thing. That evening when my girlfriend was doing laundry, our dryer was kind of out of action. It was acting up and not really working correctly. So we hung up a bunch of lines through our hallway to hang clothes on so they could dry. She was in the back hall hanging up wet clothes while I was relaxing in my bedroom. Suddenly, she barged into the room completely terrified. She said she saw someone walk past the doorway that you could see from the location of our washer and dryer. I immediately went to my pistol safe that is right beside my nightstand. I punched in the code as I always do and it flashed red. It did not open. It is only three buttons in a certain order. I tried again and it failed to open. I quickly moved to my big gun safe to retrieve another rifle. The combo was like a locker combo. It worked. I retrieved my AR-15, charged it, and was somewhat excited for the upcoming fight that was about to go down with this intruder. Remember, I'm a marine. They train us to go towards danger. I kept my eyes on the entrance to the hall the entire time. There is no door to the outside. 
just a small hall with two bedrooms with a window in each. Slowly, I began to make my way down the hallway through the maze of clothes that hung in there. It was quiet. My rifle was up and ready to dispatch the poor soul who had picked the wrong house to enter. I got almost to the corner at the end of the hall that leads into the room where the alleged intruder was said to be hiding. Before I could pop the corner, I was hit with a growl. Not a dog growl. This growl surrounded me. It was deep. Very deep. It reverberated through me, and I felt it in my chest. The only thing I could find on the internet that resembled this growl was that of a black panther growling. I was able to find it on YouTube. I exclaimed, holy crap, verbally. That scared me. I do not frighten easily. I pulled myself together and knew I had to go into this room and confront whatever or whoever was in my house. I took a couple of deep breaths and aggressively entered the room to protect my family. There was nothing there. It was just an empty room. I then made the connection that I was not dealing with something that I could shoot to eliminate. At this point, I was convinced that something had taken up residence in my home. All the weird things that had been happening over the past couple of months. I believe it now. I could not ignore it anymore. I heard that growl just like I hear everything else in my life. I put away my rifle and went out and got my Bible off the shelf. I went back into my room and prayed aloud. I prayed for a long time. I really don't know how long, but I did not stop till I was sure whatever was there definitely heard me. I felt like the growl was not offensive. I think it was defensive. Whatever it was, it had wanted me to be afraid of it, to get me to leave it alone. I remember from church that if you have the Lord in you, he will protect you. We had a priest come and blessed the house shortly after. We had the house blessed and everything seemed to be fine. Everything was normal, it seemed. I opened the door to my son's room to begin our night routine of baths, pajamas, etc. And to my surprise, his bed had been standing on end in the center of the room. It still was completely made with the covers tucked under the mattress. It was just standing vertically. All the doors and windows were locked in the house. I put the bed back to where it belonged and went on with my evening. From then on, whenever we left the house, I started playing gospel music on the radio at full volume and would start sermons on full blast on YouTube before we would leave. Things have been mostly quiet since then. I do not know what this thing was, but I feel like whatever this energy was has pretty much left and hasn't been very strong since the priest came. I wanted to tell you this because I have seen content that you have made with somewhat similar stories. There are a few more unexplained incidents that occurred, but I think you guys get the idea. If you want to reach out to me with any questions or anything, please do so. I felt like you might be the right person to tell this to. Thank you for your time, Swamp Dweller. This story is not the scariest compared to some of the others I have heard, so I apologize in advance. This story is more on the unexplained and paranormal spectrum. I'm going to provide some background knowledge to help my story make more sense. I believe in the paranormal, but I look at it as a skeptic. When I was around 8 or 9, I had just moved into my new house. We were moving away from Michigan to Tennessee because of my dad's job at the time. My sister and I shared a room. Around three months after I had moved into my new house, I was laying down on my bed, facing the wall as I normally did, trying to go to sleep. I flipped my pillow over to get the cold side. I glanced over at the wall for just a moment and saw an upside-down face on the wall, and it looked to have been scratched onto the wall. The thing is, the day before I had flipped my pillow over and looked at the wall like I normally did, it was not there. I told my dad who was laying in the bed, trying to get me to sleep. I was a very hyper kid. I told him what I saw and he just brushed it off and told me that I had probably just done it myself. The thing is, I had a habit of biting and picking at my nails. 
so they were noticeably short and I could not have done it. I even tested it out by trying to scratch the walls with my nails, a paperclip, and even a pencil, but I was not strong enough to scratch it. That night I could not sleep. I also forgot to mention that as a kid, and still to this day, I had unbelievably bad anxiety. But I only ever had a panic attack once or twice, and I was seven when it happened. The next time I had a panic attack was when I was trying to go to bed, facing the wall like I normally did. That night I had to sleep in our guest room, now my room. That next night, the same thing happened. I had a panic attack and was trying to fall asleep in my bed and went to sleep in the guest room. My sister just thought I was being dramatic. This is not relevant to the story, but she is a year and a half younger than me. This happened every night for over a month, and I decided just to move into the guest room permanently. A few months later, we have my mom's friend, I'll be calling her Sophie for privacy reasons, and one of her kids, I'll be calling her Brit, and my sister and I were friends with her. Sophie had to sleep in the guest room, which was also my room at the time, but when we had guests over, they got to sleep in that room. So, me, my sister, and Brit all slept in my sister's room. I had another panic attack when I was trying to fall asleep on my bed, so I slept on the extra mattress that my mom pulled out for Brit, and Brit slept on my bed. After they left, my mom was getting sick of having to move stuff out of the guest room and into the attic, connected to my brother's room, and his room was connected to my old room, and moving all my stuff into my new room. She told me I needed to grow up and sleep in my old room for once. Back then, I had not been diagnosed clinically with my now-diagnosed anxiety issues. That night, she stayed in my room until I fell asleep on my old bed, but around an hour after I fell asleep, she had already left. I woke up and I saw a figure in the bathroom. I tried to scream for my mom, not my dad because he was on a business trip anyway, but I realized I could not yell or move. At the time, I did not know what sleep paralysis was, and I thought I was going to die and be eaten by a demon. I thought there was some sort of force making me unable to move. Weird, I know. Anyway, that was the last time I tried to sleep in that bed. Unfortunately, it was not the last time I had to sleep in that room though. Five years later, I still get mild anxiety when I sit on that bed or talk to my sister in her room. I'd rather just sit on the floor instead. This happened in 2015 when my husband and I were together. We have since separated and perhaps this story will help you understand why. He and I married that year and he was always just a little bit off, sometimes more off than on. He served in the military and was proud of his time served and I was proud of him. However, he had a tendency toward visual hallucinations. I am unsure if it was his PTSD or his family history of mental illness, but he saw things. Usually, it happened while driving. Once he saw an eight-foot spider casing the side of a barn while we were riding along the road. He asked if I saw it. He was panicking. I did not see it. Let me paint a picture. My mom lives deep, deep in the rural south. Further down her road are old houses people still live in and use outhouses to this day. They collect rainwater to drink, etc. Before you get to my mom's road, there is a well-kept farmhouse close to the main highway. 
This highway is known for its own haunted issues, ghost cars and such. My sister says she has seen a dozen men walking out in the fields behind that house, dressed immaculately in white suits, who just disappear in front of her eyes. I promise everything I am saying is true to the best of my knowledge. He and I pull onto the highway one night after dusk and are gaining speed as we pass that house. He is driving and I am on the passenger side, head back, eyes closed, and the farmhouse is on the right of the car. Suddenly, my husband swerves and screams. My eyes are open. In a blur, I see a white human-shaped creature running at the car, pale, white, maybe gray skin, with crazed, angry eyes. I do not recall what it was wearing, if it had any clothing on or not. I just remember the flash of white, those eyes. I'll never forget those human-like eyes, unmistakably human, with all the rage and wild contempt that only a human being could be capable of. It was running right from my door, but we passed it before it made it to the car. He screamed and asked if I had seen it. I do not know, honestly, and I can't tell you why, but I told him I had not. He described it to me, and I reiterated that I had not seen it. Later, I confessed that I had seen it, and, you know, I guess so I could sleep with myself and not be a complete liar, I hope. I cannot let go of that feeling that it wanted to do harm to us. It seems like I had locked eyes with it, but it was only for a split second. So I often wonder what my mind filled in to make this situation make sense. Worse, many more strange things happened to my husband and me, but I cannot talk about those things. I feel safe enough describing this, however. For some reason, he seemed like a beacon for the unusual and the unexplainable. He and I separated due largely to his decreasing mental health. I'm not sure what he has been seeing these days, but I know we both saw something that night, and I'm just not sure exactly what it was. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true and unexplained horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button. It helps me out a ton in the YouTube algorithm. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a five-star rating as that truly helps me grow over there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them almost every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube premium but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories wherever you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Audible, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you guys would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, giving us a five-star rating on iTunes, or potentially leaving a comment down below, maybe check out our merch store. I have everything from face masks, to t-shirts, to hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting The Swamp the way you do. We're getting close to episode 60 of this series. It's the longest-running series on this channel, and I can't thank you guys enough. I'd love to see all your paranormal and unexplained stories. Send them on in at swampdweller.net. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.